0: If it wasn't for, you know, my faith and God, I wouldn't even be here today. So I take that into account and any film that I make, whether it's a a war film, a comedy, a thriller, whatever it is, as long as I am, you know, portraying God's word to people, that's, and not in like a Bible thumping way, but in a way that's going to enlighten someone's heart, then I've done my
1: job. Were you born in Wyoming? Or is that just a town that they, that your parents fell in love with there?
0: It's a town my uh, family back in the early 1900s started, but I actually am from Montana. Okay. So, but we started there and then they went up to Montana and so, we always say it's like the town, but no one knows the town. So
1: <laughs> now I've never been West. I plan on a route 66 trip coming up here in the fall. So yeah. that's going to be my trip West. But of course we'll see, I guess, where does 80 run out? Because I know 66 goes down. So does 80 go past Montana at all? Or is that still a little bit North? Um,
0: Montana's a little bit North. Uh, I-90 goes through Montana. It's the longest interstate. It goes from Chicago to Seattle. Okay. And that's like the main interstate that goes through us. And Highway 15 goes uh, from north to south, so very nice. But 80, I think, is a little south. I think 80 goes through Nebraska, if I'm not wrong. I might be wrong, but um, I think it's a little south of us. But yeah, if you ever go to Montana, it's a beautiful place to film. To is uh, there's a lot of film that actually happens in Montana. That um, like The Revenant, you know, with Leonardo DiCaprio, that was filmed in Montana. This is a short short piece of the film, but um, they filmed a lot of movies up there. Um the news show Yellowstone is being filmed in Montana.
1: Okay.
0: Um, so with Kevin Costner. So um it's a really beautiful state. And I'm hoping hopefully I can get back there and film something there um in the future.
1: Um, is that because you t- you talked about the revenue, I just want your opinion. Is that Leonardo DiCaprio's best film? Should he have won an Academy Award for that? Or do you think he should have won for other films? And that was kind of his like, you know, we're just gonna give it to him type moment
0: um i see both sides because uh for one he should have won for shutter island i mean i don't think he was nominated for shutter island but he did an amazing job in that film uh wolf of wall street he did an amazing job um he's just a really amazing actor um a lot of people look over him but he he's really good at what he does he did good in django um but also I think that in The Revenant, he did, he did enough to earn the Oscar because he had a, like that bear scene, if we think about it, there was just some guy in a suit and he had to pretend he was being mauled by a bear, which is something that I think is hard to, hard to act (laughs) Um, without it seeming fake. Um, Because I've directed actors here at where I'm at and at some point, I just tell him when you deliver the line, just don't act like you're trying to memorize a line. Like, just say it naturally. And so, for Leo, he had to naturally act like he was being mauled. And so, I think that's good enough to at least earn some type of award. But I think he should have won awards before. <laughs>
1: No, I, I completely agree with that. I felt like that was one of those moments, like, I like that movie, but I didn't think it was his best movie. So it was really weird to watch him get the award just for that. But you know what? It's also based off the competition in that year. And I really can't remember who he was up against really in that year for the Academy Awards. Um He was up against Matt Damon.
0: Matt Damon for The Martian. Um, that's the only one I can remember.
1: Yeah. So I'm going to just, say it, now it's just two low-budget filmmakers. You're talking, like, obviously... Not, throw, not trying to throw uh, disrespectful at them, but it wasn't really like a big uh, class of films that year. Yeah, um, no. So, but anyways, so tell us a little bit about your backstory or specifically how you became involved with film and what you really want, like how you took that filmmaking, like, because I'll, I'll give my backstory a little, a little bit. <clears throat> so... I started off like as a writer, I always liked doing like little short little skits back in like elementary school, you know, like I tried to write a novel in fifth grade, like, you know, like fifth graders don't write novels. But you know, you tried and the the picture drawings, I think were artwork for that time, but that was in itself. Um, and then I was like, okay, maybe I want to do robotics. So I was more behind the scenes. And then all of a sudden, I was like, picked up a camera, my mom did photography. And I was like, okay, I can see myself directing films from here on out. And that's kind of what I decided to do in high school. And I stuck with it. How give us your story a little bit. Um
0: well, I started out as a screenwriter. I've always I've always enjoyed uh film as a kid. My mom would, would always go to the movies twice a year uh, for my sister's birthday and mine. Um and I just always enjoyed creating a story um, visually and for people to see. Um and so I thought, you know, in order to create that story I've got to write it first so I've always enjoyed writing I got my undergrad bachelor's in um, at the University of Montana in English. I studied Shakespeare and uh, poetry and creative writing and so I was always really into the writing aspect and um, but then I decided that I really liked directing because it's hard to give your screenplay away for someone else to film it or to make it their vision. And so I just started getting into directing and um, making sure that the film was mine. Um, that's actually a quote from Quentin Tarantino. He, he, When he was starting, he said, I want the movie to be my movie because he gave his script off to someone. I think it was Natural Born Killers. And he regretted that cuz he's like that wasn't my vision. And so um I always remember that and I've given a script away before and it's it's rough to do so I just I just like the movie to be mine cuz I when you know when you write it you visualize it and you know what shots you want and all that. Um but anyway, so I in high school I just I just wrote anything I could, short stories, poetry. I was really into poetry. And um, scripts. And when I got out of college, I graduated. I moved back to my parents' basement, um, which some people might look at that as bad, but I actually had uh, a good two years to write three feature um, spec scripts. So I got to I got to formulate and create a few ideas that I've been building throughout the years and actually put them on paper. And so I actually have them and, um, that's one step that's done, which was really nice. And then I've edited them over the, over the years, but, um, that's kind of my path. And then when I was trying to figure out how to get experience, you know, with film, cause you know, behind the scenes, as you probably know, you, you there's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, they call it sedicate that you have to, you have to know in order to be behind the camera. And so when I found full sale, um I decided to save up my money. And now I'm down here in Florida, um just graduated with my master's and trying to move forward with that.
1: Very nice. Full sale too, like because obviously I, I really don't know how I became a follower of yours on Instagram, but I it was through I think there was a Bloom student that went down to Full Sale University. But Full sale brings up a lot to me in essence because when I graduated high school in 2014, not, not to show my age, but when I graduated in high school in 2014, um, Full sale was one of the first options I actually looked at. I also looked at Vancouver Film School, um, which i would have been pretty cool to go up to Canada. And that's where like because they were pitching me, they're like, oh, well, Deadpool was shot here and stuff like that. So I was like, OK, this was like really cool. Um, but again, pricing came down to where I ended up going to. Um, And I and I understand that where I went, Bloomsburg University wasn't a hands on film program, but it was for journalism and, you know, it dabbled in film. So I was really doing my own own stuff over here while getting a journalism degree. Um, But for you, being down at Full Sail University, that was that's strictly hands on. Right. That's strictly hands on film. I believe that's what they pitched it to me. Correct.
0: Yeah. And that's what really caught on, caught my eye, um, because I'm a hands on learner, like you could tell me how to learn something, but I just have to mess with it and I'll figure it out. And that's what they were all about. And it was a really quick program. It's 12 months and you get your master's and you're like, Oh, okay. So, um, I really liked that, but you know, right when I moved down, the pandemic happened and we all got stuck online and on zoom and the full set experience was ruined for me kind of, but I made the best I, I made it the best I can. And um, I still learned a lot. They were just, it just wasn't as classes weren't full. People were just trying to stay inside and they were a little, um, cautious about being around people. And I think that if I would have come to the school when there wasn't a pandemic, that the experience would have been crazy. Um, but no, I, I mean, I've had a, a class where we walked in the sound stage and there's an airy Alexa mini which they filmed um, 1917 with, and they're like, hey, let's build this, and I actually got to the point where I felt comfortable building that camera, and that just, that was crazy to me, because when I was a kid, I couldn't even afford a camera, and now I'm messing with a camera that costs more than probably anything I've ever bought, <laughs> and um, so sitting down and building that, it was something else, and then we we actually got to write a short script and film it with that camera on the soundstage. And so we only had one day to film. So I got to film a short with it. But, um, but yeah, it's really hands-on. Um, the bachelor's program, from what I've learned, you get on a lot of sets. Um, they're constantly doing something. They call it APN sets, which it's just, getting everyone hands-on experience and it's a lot of work and they kind of move in an industry like style um where you got to go 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 there's no stop i mean one of their one of their quotes at school here is uh sleep is for the (laughs) week which i i I need my sleep but um they're like you got to keep working i mean this job is um it's one of those jobs where you're not just going to get it out of college, you got to work for it. And you got to know the right person and network to the right people. And, um, and if you do that, then you're going to get somewhere. But if you don't work at it, then you're not really going to get anywhere. And with this pandemic, it made it hard to network because you were just like, I've just been at my apartment during my school time with my two roommates, and it was really hard to network. And so we just had to sit down and come up with stuff that we can film, um, just random stuff. Like my roommate and I, who he's also in the film, just filmed an old record player playing in our living room and we were filming it. And like I told him, hey, this isn't like uh, award-winning footage, but at least we're doing something. And so, but Full cell has been, I mean, I think every school has their ups and downs when it comes to how classes work or teachers, like some teachers, you get along with very well. And then some you're like, No, I don't care to ever work with them again. And I've had, I've had a handful of those here at Full Sail. But overall, it coming to coming to Florida, um, being a Montana boy and um, actually being behind the camera and directing has been a dream come true. And I'm I'm excited that I got to, though it is expensive. I am excited I got the experience all how film is so
1: so, what kind, what type of connections did you make? Did you make more like student students that are actors, or did you make more contacts that were like in the professional industry, like in the artists?
0: Um, well, some of our all of our teachers in the master's program have some type of industry experience, um, whether they worked as a key grip on a real set, or they've uh, they've just been working in the industry as an independent or freelance. Filmmaker for years on end. Um, One of my teachers who's now retired, uh, his name is Bill Benton. He won an Academy Award for Best Sound for Dances with Wolves. Um, And he is the most humble guy in the world. And um, he would never talk about his Oscar, I remember and we finally it was only 3 of us in class we were like can you show it to us on zoom cuz he's at home and then the next day he showed us his oscar <laughs> and um but yeah most most of the people in the, that i've connected with have been from the industry um the people who actually worked on my thesis film cuz at the end of the year you have to film your own thesis film um which is just a short narrative or a documentary, but I did the narrative side. Um, they I, they did the sound work from my film because my audio sound was bad. Um, and so the people who worked on it have worked on many films um, that were on Netflix or on Prime or just independent films. Um, so I actually got to have industry people work on the sound of my film, which is really nice, but. No, one connection I made was Bill Benton. He was a really, he was a really genuine, humble guy. And um, too bad he retired from teaching, but um, it's just meeting people like that, that if you just show the passion that you have for film, and this is for anyone who wants to be a filmmaker, including myself, that if you just kindly introduce yourself and just show that you aren't cocky about it, but that you have a heart to create something. People are going to see that and you're going to move forward. Like when I, I got on a set once as just a PA and I went up and introduced myself to the first AD because I'm a nice country boy. We introduce ourselves to everyone and we talk to everyone. Like we've known them forever. And I just said, Hey, my name is Chase. Very nice to meet you. Um, I'm a PA today and during the meeting, the safety meeting at the end, he's like, you are now the second AD. And then I got to work with him. And so I learned that just that, I mean, the only reason I got that was because I just introduced myself and was just being polite. So um, anyone who does that and shows a love for film um, and works at it, they're gonna get somewhere. And that's for me, that's for you, that's for people listening. Um, It's just, it's good to hear that every now and then. Because sometimes I look in the mirror and think, you know, I just got my master's, but I don't have a job. How am I going to get from A to B? How am I going to get there? And so um, anyone who is working in film, whether it's a PA or a first AD, just get to know them because they can help you get to this place and that can help you get there.
1: Yeah, I, I also know a lot of people that are, like, kind of terrified, too, of, like, speaking to other people, especially in the industry. You know, they get overwhelmed. And it's yeah. like, at the end of the day, you know, uh, which Hugh Jackman is my favorite actor. So, I mean, Hugh Jackman, if he walked in, you know, everybody would be like, oh, that's Hugh Jackman or whatever. But you got to remember that they are people, too. You yeah. know, and a, lot of people, a lot of people forget that. Um, so that's how I kind of approach every person. I, I treat them as just as if I'm treating a person. I don't care what their name is. I don't care what background they come from. They're still a person. And uh, no, but I'm glad that you walked in and like shook their hand. And I'm, and I'm sure since you're from the country, just like I am, it's all about the handshake too, right?
0: Yep. Firm and not <laughs> too tight, not too loose. You got to have it firm.
1: There you go. Um, and I actually want to point out, I have two of those things behind you on my studio set too. So I have the um, the one where like you can put the movie, whatever movie's playing, now playing. And I also have the reels in the background too here.
0: Oh, cool! Look at that small world. Yeah, I actually put my film up there, so I always put the title of my movie. Okay. Um, and I see it every day and think, you know what? It's gonna. Uh, this it is kind of a small inspiration for me to, um, do so.
1: No, that's awesome. But talking about your film too, because I I'm interested in seeing it. So, a where can we see it, and then we'll jump into the process of kind of behind the scenes of how you made that one.
0: Well, um, where to see it is up in the air right now. So I'm trying to get it into film festivals and trying to figure out how to do it. And I know that when it comes to submitting a short into film festivals, it can't post it anywhere. And so at the current moment, I am just waiting and trying to find a film festival. I'm trying to find one in Florida. Um, there was one that I was I was going to put it into the one in Burbank, but, um, I just didn't get enough time to get it ready for that. But, um, There's some at the end of the summer in central Florida that um, are coming up and I'm hoping I can submit it into the student section or something. Um, So at the current moment, I don't really have a way for anyone to see it unless I directly email it to them. And if I do that, I have to throw in the, hey, you can't post it anywhere. You can't do this and that. Um, And I've only really have submitted it to people that I um like I know very well because I just if it gets posted it might ruin a chance to get in a film um but what I would like to do is get it on like Vimeo um I I don't know if I want to do YouTube but on one of those sites where Mm -hmm. I have my own page and people can watch it but I have a couple shorts that I'm trying to get together and ready because I don't want to just show myself that's not finished like I have a, I have at least three shorts that I'm trying to get together so that I can post out there. Um, in fact, one currently getting filmed right now, but, um, so hopefully in the future, after the film festivals, I can post it out. Um,
1: well, we're, we're, we're looking forward to seeing that. I, I shared your, um, your Instagram page with a few of my buddies up here. And they're like, oh man, that looks really cool what he's doing, especially what he did down there. Looking all army-like and, you oh, know, that was pretty yeah. cool. And did Full Sail supply a lot of that or did you go off a budget that they allowed you or was it your own personal money for the costumes and stuff?
0: I actually had a GoFundMe for it. Um yeah. I every I did a period P. I did, uh, my film was the hardest out of all my classmates. It was just, it was so hard to f- film. And I pitched it to my classmates and everyone and um they're like a period piece of world war Two piece in florida and they're like all right i'm sure you it'll be okay <laughs> and i was like yeah i know <laughs> um so i what i did is first got the gofundme which only made half of what i was asking i was asking for a thousand i made 500 but i was like you know what that's better than nothing um and that 500 pretty much paid for all the costumes and such. Um, we, my my uh, girlfriend, who was the costume designer, um, she went around a bunch of surpluses um, and got World War II outfits. Um, but the best thing that I did for my film is um, we went to a World War II reenactment in a, in a little town called Parrish, Florida at the Railroad Museum. And they were just doing a reenactment on World War II of prisoners. And um, it was it was a really small gig that was really nice. But I met a few people who had gear. I actually met one guy who became the gun wrangler who had a gun. Um, and we actually bought an actual pack that they had during D-Day. Um, which was great because that guy who was selling it was also selling um, props from the movie saving private ryan and so he had the bombs that they put under the bridge if you remember that movie yep. he actually had those which i thought was crazy um which i should have bought now that i think about it but uh <laughs> um but yeah we just once we did all that and um got all the gear together we actually found the location which is at that railroad museum they had an old track um and we were waiting for the reenactment to start. And I went into the woods to take a leak. And I look down the old railroad track and the grass is growing over the tracks. And I see an old caboose in the far distance. And I walk over there and I was like, okay, this is the spot. And so that caboose is in my film and the soldier walks around it, but it's old. It looks rusty. It looks like it doesn't belong there. And so um, that finally became my, Film location was at the rotary museum um there's a sandbag wall in my film as well that costs like 300 to build and it's not like it, it yeah. uh, we actually um the costume designer actually found burlap like actual the sandbags that they had back in the 40s um and then we just stuffed it with uh that bubble wrap stuffing that you get at home depot like the thick stuff yeah and so it to, make, to make it look
1: bulky but to not make it feel bulky so you'd actually have to lift them
0: yeah yeah um i mean it, it looked really cool and legit and um but if you touched it it would fall over because it was light as a feather uh which actually during filming uh this uh one of the actors bumped into it and the whole wall went <laughs> and we we're like well cut yep. um but if you want, I, I do have my EPK up on my computer. I can show you a couple behind the scenes photos and such. I, don't, I know your viewers won't be able to see it, but if you would like to see it, I'm.
1: Uh, is there a way, hold on, let me see something real quick since we're doing this, where, uh, I just changed you to the host. Okay, cool.
0: So I can share my screen now, cool. If you wanna see, I mean, I won't go through the whole. Uh...
1: Yeah, go ahead and show the viewers. I I think it's pretty cool because I saw a lot. Now, I'm assuming you're going to pull up probably some that I've seen on Instagram and probably some that uh, I haven't seen. But, oh, it's even in a PowerPoint presentation. I like it.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, this is – sorry if you hear people mowing the lawn. It's. uh... No, that's fine. So, yeah, um, i got to make it bigger. Sorry about that. Okay. So, yeah, this is just the EPK. Um, Pretty much what we had to do for our final – month in class was create a epk cuz the film festivals will probably require it but yeah um and i'll show you some stills a lot of this is just um like the crew and um the cast but um here's the uh, specs so we filmed it on a, a sony a73 um we used the lens that we used the most for this film was a 50 Okay. Um, we used the 35 in some, but we mostly used the 50 because it just captured what we wanted perfectly. Um, and i and my editor he used Premiere Pro to edit, and then the colorist did the finishing touch in DaVinci, which the colorist was actually the editing teacher for my master's program.
1: Oh, okay, that's cool.
0: Yeah, so it worked out. Um, but here's some stills. Um, my main character is named Thomas. Um, I guess I should tell you what the film's about. So, um, Thomas. I was is, gonna say
1: keep it. You don't have to spoil anything for it. So keep the spoilers out of the. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'll keep. I, I won't spoil it. But Thomas is a soldier, a, a American soldier that is escaping German attackers, and during his escape, he comes across Aaron, who is a wounded soldier. And as he gets into safety and has a conversation with him, he learns that Aaron um, hasn't been baptized yet. And um, Thomas must decide to either stay with Aaron and baptize him or to continue to flee from the attackers because they're on his tail during this whole time. So he's kind of feeling rushed, but um, I'll leave it at that. But it's about finding a brother or a wounded soldier in the battlefield and performing a baptism on him during the time of war so but yeah that's the old box car um that was in the that i found and he walks around it in the film um and then that was just a close-up that we had um and then he found the soldier he found aaron um he drags him And there's that sandbag wall, there's a little piece of it, but, um,
1: was that right before it fell over or was that after? (laughs) They didn't
0: fall over at this moment. (laughs) Um, but I mean, I I wanted to include things that soldiers would talk about or have. And so, uh, for my soldier, Thomas, he has a Bible and he has a picture of his wife. Um, and that's the main master shot of, um, the sandbags and, um, the soldier laying there and Thomas talking to him. Um, but, and then we have included, I have some BTS. So I have my camera crew looking at footage, me directing, uh, Christian who played Thomas and then my first AD and I, um, and then that Bible scene close up, that's how we filmed it. Um, and my camera guy who was also my editor um did an amazing job with the camera movements and everything um i had an amazing crew amazing crew but um but other than that that's pretty much uh, uh, the rest of it is just like my main cast and head departments um how
1: many how many people on what would you say the average person on set was? like how many people on set at a time?
0: Um let's go up to crew real quick. So I had, I would say about fourteen, including actors were on set. um because sometimes people wore multiple hats, as they say, um, mm-hmm. to, uh, because, you know, during this time there was still a pandemic and they were really picky on how many people could be on set. Luckily, I filmed two hours away from full sale, so, Um, And we were outside the whole time so we could be distant. I know some people were pretty um, careful with who we, how many people had on set. Um, But we were all pretty, um, we were all pretty safe out there. You know, we were out in the middle of nowhere, um, south of Tampa. Um, But another thing I did was I also had a singer sing an old hymn. And so I got to go into the studio and listen to how they sang the song and edit. Um, And so she sings I'm But a Stranger Here, um, which fits with the film perfectly. Um, But yeah, so I would say about 14 with crew and all. um, And it took a total of about three days to film. And my actors, uh, Christian Salamison, who's been in three of my films now, this was our first one, um, him and I have that Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio friendship going in film. Um, I just know how to communicate with him and he knows how to listen um, and he knows how to deliver what I want with my characters and so um, he was a soldier in this one. And then my second, the second one he was in, he was it was a comedy. And then the latest one, who's, which is still being filmed, he is a homeless guy. And so he's been playing these different characters and been doing an amazing job. So anyone needs an actor. Christian is your man. Tyler also did a really great job. Um, and then we had Dead Bodies. Um, but the guy I wanted to bring up real quick was Georg Hartman who was one of my teachers in the master's program at Full Sail. And he did the German dialogue. Now, you don't ever see Germans in this film. You just hear them. And I wanted that because I tried to envision if you were a 20 year old in the middle of Normandy during 1944, I just thought it'd be more terrifying to hear them than to see them. And I'm sure that's what they felt back in the day and so um i originally wanted germans to be in it but i decided to keep them hidden so that you never see them you just hear them so he did all the uh, dialogue for it but he also has a tv show on netflix called dogs of berlin
1: okay i don't um, think i've ever i don't think i've ever heard of that one but it's, i am it's oh, sorry to cut you out but i will make a quick point before i lose this train of thought which it's probably already gone though I me anyways um when you said about not seeing the Germans, I that kind that's that's call back to typical horror films back in like the older days. Instead of seeing the monster because they didn't really have the effects or the budget to do so, you just heard it or like there was like subtle movements. So it's a very good callback and a good choice actually if you are on a low budget or just adds that sense of element to it. Like you hear things getting closer and closer and amping it up, but you never see it, which adds that sense of mystery. But anyway, continue. I'm sorry.
0: Um... Yeah, that's all I wanted to do was just to get that anxiety going. Um, Because with the music and the sound effects of bombs and shootings and all that, that um, I just wanted to create that uneasiness that even though they're creating a baptism, they're doing a baptism, he needs to hurry. (laughs) So, um, because they're right on his tail, though. They can come and shoot at him at any moment. And so I just wanted that that rushing to happen. Um, so, but check out his Dogs of Berlin uh, episode eight. He wrote all on his own. So um, he was telling us all about that. So I should pass the word on. Um,
1: how much? How much do you tell an actor on set? Like, is there is there stuff you keep and say? Hey, like between you and the editor. Which in my case. Um, I am basically my editor, so I can kind of keep secrets mostly on set. Although I have a problem with the dailies though, because as soon as we shoot something and I come back and edit it that night, I'm very like quick to send out like a clip to the casting and crew and say, hey, look at this, this is exciting. You know, so if, if any, if I ever make it big, like if I ever do a Star Wars film, it's gonna be leaked automatically because I'm gonna be sending clips out left and right, which the studio won't be happy with me. I uh, actually,
0: um, sorry if you weren't finished. No, you're good, go ahead. Um, I actually kept a lot from the actors when it came to dailies, like, and Christian, who is a, who's a close friend as well. was so irritated with me because he's like, I, ha- I he didn't see the film at all until the premiere. Like he didn't see anything from it. And he's like, that made me so nervous because I had no idea what I was going to see. And so when it comes to my films, I do really keep it. Like, I'll talk about it, but when it comes to actually seeing stuff, I'll, I keep it kind of hidden because I want, I, I I want them, I want everyone to experience it, like, on the big screen. Like, I didn't even show my parents anything. And they asked me, you know, I mean, I moved from Montana to Florida. They were asking me, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, just a film. And they're like, what film? Oh, just, just, this just, just a film. <laughs> and they flew down here for graduation. And they got to see it on the big screen and I made my mother cry in the theater because she had no idea what was coming. And that's um,
1: that's a a special moment.
0: Yeah. And I was like, this is why I waited. Same with my actor, Christian, my actor, Tyler, I wanted them to experience it with the sound, the surround sound and everything um, in the theater. And um, Christian is still like, I want to see more next time, but I'm probably still going to keep it hidden from people. So, um, and so that's how I work, you know, um, but I, I have a question for you because it just came up about dailies. When you watch your dailies after filming something, how do you feel?
1: Ah, uh, like I always forget something, um, <laughs> right? uh- but I mean, that's why you have your shot list and I'm somebody too. And this, it drives people insane that work with me, but this is how I roll. So let me, can I switch back to the host here real quick? So what drives people on set insane is because I'll typically show up with a shot list, but I never use that shot list. So I'll write, like if I'm doing like a two scenes or three scenes the next day, I'll write them out before I go to bed and then I'll like sleep on it and I'll wake up in the morning and tear that sheet of paper up and be like, oh, whatever. Like I kind of had that vision. Um, but there are little things that like you do forget to get sometimes, which is just like a, a still shot or like, my biggest thing is I forget to set up the environment. So I forget to get that like wide shot or like that establishing shot to show your location. Then then that's like, well, mark that on the list for another day. I'll have to drive the location just to get that. Mm -hmm. Um, but as far as the daily, I, I, I'm pretty happy with it. I feel like, and this is with at least three of my seven films I've done. I don't really go back and rewatch my films too much because I feel like I've watched them so much editing. And mm-hmm. like, even like, because my my worst thing is audio. So audio, I have not perfected yet. Audio is like one of the things that like, I need to just have somebody else do it because it, there's no point to me doing it because it's a very nitty gritty. And that's why when you said that, um, when your professor won for audio and sound, I'm like, I give him tons of credit because I cannot, so there and go insane. Um, mm-hmm. So with that being said, audio is my worst part, but I can't really go back and watch my films too much because I've just invested hours into it. And I know where the like where the things I would like to have shot better, you know, because it, you only get really one shot to do. It. I mean, you could do reshoots, but at the same time, it's like how much, you know, for me, that has a lot of volunteers, casting crew. I'm over here like I don't want to make somebody who's already been on set for like 20 hours, like go back for another two hours to reshoot something. So I do typically go with it. yeah some of your questions
0: (laughs) yeah uh when I see my dailies I'm sick to my stomach when I see them I I just um it just I hate it and it bugged me at first because I was like man is this like is this normal for a filmmaker to just hate watching their stuff and then I watched the director's circle with Scorsese and Nolan and all the bigs and they were asked the same question they were like yeah I and Nolan's like I am literally about to puke if I see my film (laughs) which I thought was crazy because their movies are amazing I mean they've won awards they're they're just they made so much money off them but for them to even be like uh no
1: (laughs) I I believe it's Johnny Depp and I could be wrong but I don't think Johnny Depp has ever seen Pirates of the Caribbean I don't think he's ever seen one I don't think because I know he doesn't typically watch his own films but I think that's the franchise he's like yeah I don't think I've seen that (laughs)
0: that's crazy that is so crazy like that's
1: that's like one of his most memorable roles too so it's you know it's like it's crazy that you haven't seen it's almost like mark hamill not watching himself as luke skywalker but he embraces it so much um but i guess more questions for you is looking past full sail now because you graduated so now you already have a short film in progress you even have a few others that you have lined up what is it like going or do you have a plan going from full where? You know, you get these big, expensive cameras and all the equipment that you have in locations at full sale. So, what are you going to do now with an independent film? Are you ready to make that jump? Are you have jobs lined up? Like, what what is post full sale looking like?
0: Well, I wish I could say I have jobs lined up. <laughs> I really do, but unfortunately, I don't have. It's a process trying to find people um, that are hiring, and everyone who's hiring wants this many years of experience and you're like, well, I don't have that many, but I have this. Um, but for for the rest of this year, I am planning on moving up to Atlanta to hopefully, hopefully land some type of film gig somewhere um, just to get more experience. But also, I want to continue my freelance filmmaking um, career and continue to make shorts that mean a lot to me and that uh, give out the message that I, um, I feel like I was meant to give out to the world. And, um, and so on the side, I will be doing that. Um, I'm actually going to be filming a short in Georgia later this year. Um, it's a civil war short. So I'm real excited to work with some more reenactment groups and kind of create a battle scene and a story that is meaningful, but, um, Honestly, I just want to connect with people like you and other like independent filmmakers that want to make it in film just as much as I do. And I don't need to have like, I don't need to win the big Academy Award. I don't have to have the $80 million budget or whatever. Um, I just want to make movies that mean a lot to people or give out a heartwarming message. And I want to film my movies that I've written. Like I have three spec scripts. I'd like to do something with that. And so, if I can do that and make an honest living just working on film like that, I that would. I don't need some big time CEO job. Um,
1: I love that. I'm, I love that attitude. By the way, I love that attitude.
0: Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, with this, my film, which is called "A Soldier's Blessing," I forgot to mention that. Um, you know, I day and night working on it, you know, working with my editor, work so much from that film. My main thing is sound. Like you said, that's my difficult part side too. I just, I'm not good with sound. Um, And I've learned that sound is so important. Um, And if you got a good take, but sounds like that was bad sound, redo the take. Take, Do it again, because if you don't have good sound, your film is trash. It's it's not gonna be good. Because And I witnessed that on my film on the big screen at Full Sail, looking beautiful, but the sound was awful. And so they took all the sound out, and they redid all the sound on the dub stage. That's what, um, and we had to do ADR, and we had to do all this. But I'm getting off track. But pretty much, um, when it comes to the future, I'm just hoping that I can continue to keep the camera rolling. Uh, And I know a lot, I know a few people who, um, And I've already grown, honestly, as a filmmaker, because my thesis film was filmed on a Sony a7 III. But my latest film that's being filmed now is filmed on a red Komodo. And so there's already that jump that, you know, just I met someone that had a red on a set and they were like, and I was like, how much do you charge to use a red? And he he told me his price, but then he's like, oh, you're free, you're a friend. (laughs) And so I just got to... You know operate and use the red and it was just meeting someone just like that it's just some random person that i didn't think much of um actually had the gear that helped create my next film which is gorgeous um and it's uh, so gorgeous anyway uh, i just saw the, i just saw the stills yesterday my first time seeing them and it was incredible to see them but um
1: it's been so long since I used a RED camera. Um, probably about 2015 was the last time I picked up a RED camera. I just picked up a Blackmagic Cinema Cam. because so when I went down to Pittsburgh, one guy was shooting a, a video project for, he had a Cinema Cam. And I'll, the only thing is, I do not like the fact, and I know you mentioned DaVinci Resolve on your presentation. Yeah. I was never, I'm used to my Panasonics, okay, I like my G7s. And of course, you use Premiere Pro to edit. But like, I couldn't even pull up. I had to download DaVinci Resolve and like a few other things to even view the B-Raw files for Black Magic because they're not MP4 files, which yeah. drove me absolutely insane. When you got like four or five hours, it just took forever. Mm. Um, so, but I do love the reds. I wish I would uh, invest more in those t- style cameras. But is that is that your favorite camera or do you have a favorite camera that like, it might not be the top of the notch because like my Panasonic Lumix G7s, I love the death. I probably will shoot all my films on them if I could. But is there any? Is do you have a favorite, or do you just prefer any camera?
0: Um. Honestly, from what I've experienced working with and seeing, I really the Blackmagic cameras are really pretty. Um, I hate that you kind of don't really see what you're getting until you put it on the computer. Um, because I Blackmagic, even the new 6K. It's had that problem, it has like that tint in it where you're like, okay, this isn't really what's being recorded. It's just the display screen is showing that. Um, because we've recorded something and I'm like, wait a minute, that looks really off. And then we put it on the computer and you're like, oh, wow, that looks gorgeous. Um, but uh, when it comes to DaVinci that, that's gonna be way out of my pay grade. Um, but luckily I know people who know how to run it. And so they can put a lot on it and it will change the whole thing so i would say if i was going to run a camera me personally if i bought a camera it would be black magic i would investing in a red if you is a good idea but if you know someone who owns a red i would just have let them have it <laughs> uh like work with them like my friend who was my dp on my last he owns a red and I know that if I have a film that can go somewhere, as I'll say it, um, I know that he will be there to help me out if he can. And so um, I would say Blackmagic for now, that they're just good cameras. And that's actually what I'm investing in getting because, and they're really easy to use. Like um, like my, I have a Sony a7 II and that thing is, <laughs> that is a whole nother, Trying to figure that camera out, all the settings and stuff, like it's I was like, I'm just gonna take pictures with this because it is so trying to figure out the camera is a whole another degree. But black magic, it's everything's right there. It's like an iPhone, you know. It's just everything's there. You just have to kind of know where to go and it's it's so easy. So um, but I think the for the film in coming this fall that's filmed up in Georgia will be on a Black magic
1: okay. I would yeah, think. No. Again, you have to keep me updated via social media because, of course, you post just like I post. Everything that goes behind-the-scenes production, you know, it gets thrown up on social media. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about messaging, though, because I know you talked, and, and from what you described between World War II films and history films, it seems like you're really a history guy. Like, you're, you kind of remind me like a Spielberg-type person who loves to dwell in the in the historical background and make sure it's precise and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But you talked about baptizing in a film. So what is your messaging behind? um, What kind of films do you want to end up making in life?
0: I, anything that will, you know, bring out the word of God to people in the, especially in a situation that is difficult, like war, like I'm sure, There were soldiers bleeding out on the beach at Normandy thinking, is there a God? I'm sure that that's happened a lot in the battlefield. And to show the slightest light of hope that there is a God and he is there is something that a lot of people need to hear. Even if they don't really care for religion or whatnot, I think just, the idea of hope is something that this world nowadays needs. And I think we all could agree that, that it's been crazy these last few years with the pandemic and everything. And, you know, I bet suicide rates went up and people were just scared and didn't know what to do, but just to, just to remember that there is hope out there. And um, I think is very important, but, you know, I, if it wasn't for, you know, my faith and God, I wouldn't even be here today. So I take that in account. And any film that I make, whether it's a, a war film, a comedy, a thriller, whatever it is, as long as I am, you know, portraying God's word to people, that's, and not in like a Bible thumping way, but in a way that's going to enlighten someone's heart, then I've done my job. That's why I said I don't need this big fancy budget. I don't need all that stuff. I just need to make sure that I have my Bible next to me when I'm writing my next script. Um, And as Cecile DeMille says, um, who directed the Ten Commandments, um, give me any two pages of the Bible and I'll give you a picture. Which that is a quote that I keep close to me because it is It means that the bible is there's so much you can bring out of it um and it doesn't have to be it could be anything like a soldier baptizing a soldier on the battlefield or my latest film a homeless guy helping someone when it should be switched around so um does that does that explain my message, oh, pretty clear.
1: Sure. It, it does. And it's stuff that we wanted to capitalize on at Shield of Hope, too. So, I mean, I, I feel that. And I'm just like a fellow Christian myself. You know, my strategy of when I approach films is I don't necessarily talk about God in my films. There's some films I do, but there's some films where, you know, it's just like I try to go off as long as there's no sexual content in it, as long as there's no language in it. I try to keep it clean because I use the reference um, about the one plants when waters will watch it grow. So I want to plant the seed in people by just being a good person showing my morals. And then when they come up to me later, they ask, oh, well, what, who are you? And like, why did you make this film? And I was like, well, because the film has a moral purpose behind it. It's like, and then you go into the word of God. And like, my, my whole thing is I want to become close with people. I don't want to be that person at a shopping mall that hands somebody a pamphlet and says, hey, do you know Jesus today? Yeah. Um, and, I'm, and I'm sure you've met those people too. Um, so because whether or not we're Christians, like, Somebody could walk up to us with a flyer or pamphlet and be like, oh, do you know God? And we could accept and be like, yeah, we do, you know, and we know, we know, and we're not really offended by it. But a lot of people do when you walk up to them right away and try to approach them with the word of God right away. You know, some people, it turns them away more than it helps bring them to them. So I'm one of those people like, okay, I just want to show that I do moralistic films, look, incorporate a little bit of messages in there, but not like strictly like, okay, believe in God or do anything like that and then we can have a conversation behind the scenes and you know talk to them about that that way so that's how i kind of approach it everybody's different but i think we're on the same page because when you talked about you don't like the what, what was the reference you used thumb heart th- 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 oh th- bible thumping
0: yeah uh, yeah thumping.
1: yes um so is that something you wish that the christian industry for films would change because a lot of a lot of these films and i'll let, i'll let you finish this but i guess my point would be a lot of films that I've seen from a Christian perspective, you know, say somebody's struggling and dying from cancer, you know, they show a film of somebody dying with cancer and then they accept God and all of a sudden the cancer's healed. It's like that might happen 1% of the time, but the other 99%, you know, the person's still probably going to pass away or stay alive for a little bit with us until they go to meet God. Um, I hate the whole Christian idea in filmmaking and in the in this um, cultural society where, oh, when you accept God, your life gets easier and everything gets uh, healed and saved and you know it's a big party because i truly believe that it gets harder when you become a christian and when you accept god so i'll try to let you finish off some things here i know i rambled but
0: no i, I rambled too i completely agree with you i think um the christian films nowadays they're just too light they're too like everything is perfect and prim when you become a christian and you're just you're skip it aloo and um i don't agree with that uh, like you said i think it's harder to be a christian than not to be it's easier to say you know what there isn't a god than saying there is a god let me prove it and then you spend your whole life trying to get to that point um but with my films whether it's my short films or my features i just want to show that you're going to have a difficult time but he's still there like all of my um, you talked about not having sex or language or any of those type of things in my film. And I don't have sex in my films, but I do have those darker themes where you'll be like, why is this in a Christian film? Like that doesn't make any sense. Like that is, it's kind of um, disgusting to see, you know, like one of my films has to do with Satan tempting someone. Um, this is my spec script, but Satan tempting, and he tempts him with lust, and lust comes as a, you know, a woman. Um, but you've got to, you have to understand going through the darkness in order to get to the light. Like, I, I, there's a poet from the back in the day, um, John Milton. He says, you need to know bad to know good have to understand them both because if you just know good you're not really going to understand the bad um that's like if you go to a church and you hear the only message you hear is that god loves you god loves you god loves you you're good the bow tie message at the end and you're like yes that's true but we have to hear the side we don't want to hear too because if we don't hear that then we're not ever going to learn that Mm -hmm. and so we have to learn that we are sinners but we have Jesus. And I really like that you mentioned you don't bring up God constantly in your films. Um, And I don't bring up like in Soldier's Blessing, I don't think God's ever brought up, Jesus is. And I think if you bring up God, people are like, oh yeah, God, that's fine. But when you bring up Jesus is when people start backing away. And so I I would try to at least, I don't wanna shy away from not presenting my lord's name um because some people do try not to bring it up but um but at the end i think we both can agree that as long as we're shedding light on the word and the gospel that we as filmmakers and anyone else who's in the christian theme um is doing the job and that he's proud of us and i'm proud that you're doing that and you're proud that i'm doing that and that we're brothers and we have to help create that hope that I was talking about and shine it into the world. So
1: no I agree with that and I, and I do wish that there would be more because I know there's the closet Hollywood celebrities that are that are Christian and don't express their faith you know because of who they're around. And I wish they would just because it make the rest of our lives easier as filmmakers growing up and not be kind of rejected for the films we're trying to create because mm-hmm. in essence we're still trying to give the audience an escape like an escapism you know, and I talked about this on last podcast, the whole idea of films, in my opinion, is to tell a good story and make the audience escape or feel as the character, instead of their own daily lives, feel as the character on screen feels. And I I think that a lot of films these days uh, are just politically driven and they don't really have those moral themes anymore to the point where we're trying to just create a good story. And I I like to hear that you're talking about that, you know, and I, I just, my call would be to the higher ups you know, I, I wish that some of them would stand up and come out of the closet, per se, and just show themselves as Christian filmmakers or Christian artists or um, yeah. celebrities. But that's that's my personal wish for that. Obviously, you know, their life, we we both I'm sure you and me, we treat things different in different situations. So they have their right to do that, you know, as we have a right to either express ourselves or not.
0: Yeah, yeah. And again, I, you know, Bible thumping is a thing I always keep in mind. because you don't want to come across as that because It's the same with someone that throws their political views at you you really back away but if they come at you the right way you're a listen at least and so i know a lot of people who are just really bad with throwing their views out and then they get mad at me for not listening but i'm like well i mean when i bring up god you back off so think about it for a second um 100
1: (laughs) (laughs) um but i guess i guess we'll close with this so is, because I've always had this question asked to me, you know, why don't you ever, I don't really fund for my films. I don't do a GoFundMe. I kind of just do it all either out of my own pocket or volunteer wise. Um, So do you one day want your films to be produced by a studio or do you want to fund all your own so that nobody has control but you?
0: Um, If I could get a studio that I trust and that has the best interest for what my vision is, um, then I would definitely do a studio for sure um, because you know some of my spec scripts, they kind of need that studio. <laughs> um, but if I had to start out with just doing my own budgeting and the GoFundMe or um, Indiegogo, whatever site people use um, for funding, then I will. Um, I don't want to tackle my features just yet. I don't feel like that I'm 100% ready though I want to like anyone who writes a feature wants to film it but I want to I want to be ready for it and so for for that I want to work on some short films first um that I like I've been doing and so that kind of means volunteer work you know um you know getting paying it from my own pocket and GoFundMe, which is mainly, GoFundMe is mainly gonna be family and friends. Like that's, that's, the only people who like, you know, donated to my film was my parents, my sister, you know? um, but it helped. Um, and you can make an amazing film with like the lowest budget. Uh, I just do period pieces, so it makes it a little bit tough, but uh, <laughs> if you meet the right people uh, and you come up with the easiest idea, uh, you can really create something beautiful. And so, um, with that, I would like to say that, um, one day if I can get into a studio and I can have someone have my back, um, that would be amazing. But for now, I'll probably just be working with people like you and any other filmmaker who wants to just get experience, honestly. Um, cause that's what it's all about when you're working for free as long as the crew as long as you know the director or the the head departments feed the crew um because i've been on sets where they don't feed you and it's so irritating Um,
1: especially when you're there for like 12 plus hours
0: yeah and then they're like well go get lunch i'm like "No, no 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 (laughs) (laughs) you feed me so i've always been pretty picky on that just because these people are giving up their time to help you they're helping themselves by getting experience, but they're helping you. So you should at least repay the failure if you're not paying them to feed them. Even if it's a snack. It doesn't matter. But
1: so what you're trying to say is that if I come on your set, it's gonna I can expect food.
0: Yes, you will get food. Awesome. I'm uh, gonna
1: invite everybody. No. I'm
0: everyone. I don't <laughs> care. <Everybody.
1: laughs> We're gonna get you about a thousand different extras. We'll be all right.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well. I want to make sure I pronounce it this right, right? Chase Hollett, Hallett?
0: Hallett? He- Hewlett.
1: Hewlett. Oh, dang. You're close. <laughs> anyway, Chase, thanks for joining us. Um, where can people find you at on social media?
0: Um, On my Instagram under Chase Morgan Hewlett. Um, mainly Instagram is what I use to, you know, as my billboard. Um, but I do have a LinkedIn as well under the same name. Um, but I would say just on Instagram, and if anyone is in Florida or Georgia this year and ever needs a crew member or if they want experience, just message me. I'm I'm happy to talk to anyone about film um, and get to know people. This is the best way we're gonna, you know, network is by doing it this way. Um, so. I, I'm. Uh, thank you for having me on here. I really do appreciate it. It's been an honor talking with you.